Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Happy day of Pentecost to you. It's not really Pentecost, but it is for us. We are reading through the book of Acts together, verse by verse, and we are in chapter 2 today. Chapter 2, the whole thing. Verse Well, not the whole thing, but verses 1 to 41, almost the whole thing. Uh, I hope you've read ahead. I hope this is familiar scripture to you because I can't really do every verse of this amazing chapter, but I want us to do as much as we can. Uh, my name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. It's called Tim with Tim, and uh, we're really, really glad that you are, are with us today. Um, Acts chapter 2 uh, draws a straight line back to the Old Testament book of Genesis, which we've read together. So let me do a quick review with you. Remember early on, the very first chapters of Genesis, there is this pattern of curse and grace. So Adam and Eve, they sin, and so they are banished from the garden. You know, they, are, uh, they, they suffer the curse of sin, and yet God clothes them, the first sacrifice, of course, and then they are removed from the garden so that they cannot have access to the tree of life, therefore live forever in their sin and separation. So there's sin and there's grace, right? Cain kills Abel, uh, and then from that, Cain is punished. He is um, forced to wander the earth, which is the curse, but then he is given a mark of protection so that no one will kill him. That's the grace. So there's sin, you know, curse and grace. Um, the flood comes, of course. Uh, God sees the earth. Everybody is wicked. Everyone is evil. Uh, he sends a flood. However, Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. No one and his family are saved. At the end of the story, there's a rainbow and a covenant. Uh, so there's Again, sin, curse, but there's grace. Following the flood story, there is the really amazing and peculiar story of the Tower of Babel, where the people united in their sin and united in one language. Uh, remember, Babel is really a story about language. And so they're going to build this tower. Uh, God comes down. God confuses their speech and scatters them across the face of the earth, period. There's no grace. There's no sign of grace at the Tower of Babel. And it's sort of striking when you're falling into that pattern, always being used to seeing God show his grace. So that's the amazing part about today's passage, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is, after all of this time, it's the reversal of Babel. You understand that? If at Babel, everyone is confused and divided and scattered because of the multiplication of languages, at Pentecost, the human race is brought back together by one uh, language in the Spirit. Do you see that? So Pentecost in many, many ways is the answer, the gracious answer, the gracious reversal to what happens at the Tower of Babel way back in the book of Genesis. But Acts chapter 2 is the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's just so wonderful. Jesus told his believers, his disciples to go wait for it. And they've been waiting in Jerusalem. Waiting for what? Well, for the day of Pentecost. Why do you think uh, it's the day of Pentecost. Why do you think they have to wait for that day? They don't know they're waiting for that day, but that's the day they're waiting for. Why? Well, I think, and this is just me thinking, I think that God times the coming of the Spirit and, make no mistake, the very first preaching of the gospel, God times that for the largest, most diverse crowd possible, and that would be Pentecost. I know that for us, Christians, we think of Passover as the big, you know, feast day for the Jews. But honestly, especially back in the first century, it was Pentecost. 
Pentecost was the big one. Pentecost was the one where you would find probably the most people in Jerusalem. Pentecost again, was 50 days after Passover. Honestly, the weather's better. Isn't the weather always better <laughs> about 50 days after Easter? I mean, the weather's better. So in every single way, uh, Pentecost, this festival is really the big one and uh, the largest possible crowd in Jerusalem and the most diverse crowd. And I think that probably the coming of the Spirit and the preaching of the gospel is timed for that. So they're all together in that upper room. Uh, first off, what do they hear? They hear the sound of a rushing wind. Uh, don't picture like a, you know, a gentle breeze here. We're talking a roaring tornado. You know, they say that a tornado sounds like a freight train. So something like the sound of a freight train before anybody had ever heard a freight train. All right. So they hear the sound and then they see uh, this, you know, this flame of fire that splits off into what's called tongues. And those tongues, like a little flicker of flame is over the head of each believer, which has got to be amazing. And then the languages, all of them begin speaking in other languages. Now, this is probably not the ecstatic experience of tongues that you find in the book of 1 Corinthians or even later in the book of Acts. I, I don't know exactly how to, how to put all that together, but it doesn't seem to be that language of praise that Paul talks about in the book of Corinthians. This is a very functional sign here where people hear the gospel for the first time preached in their own language. So it's a, it's a miracle of languages. So again, I wouldn't necessarily equate it. It's different, or at least it functions differently in this particular instance because it is a miracle of preaching. It's a miracle of proclamation. People who've never studied the language of the Parthians or the Medes suddenly are, are, are preaching the gospel in that language, and everybody knows that they didn't study that language. That makes the miracle. Some have said that it's perhaps not a miracle of speaking, but a miracle of hearing. The miracle is that they hear it in their own language. But I doubt that because, again, the Spirit has come upon the disciples to preach. You know, So the, the Spirit is on them and, and in their speaking. It doesn't say the Spirit fell upon the listeners you know, for their hearing. It's a miracle of the Spirit. So I think it's more a miracle of languages, foreign languages, multiple languages. And the result of that is, is it draws the crowd. You know, uh, I think the picture is the disciples rush out of the room into the temple square and, and suddenly everybody, it, it's, just, it, it's just chaos. It's just beautiful, amazing chaos. They're drawn by the sound of the tornado. They're drawn in, you know, and now they see the tongues of fire. They hear the languages preach and it's just, it's, it, it's amazing. People are amazed and then some people are skeptical. You know, man, man what kind of party? What are, they, what are they smoking up in that room? You know, what are they drinking? Are they assuming that they must be under some sort of influence? And they are, but it's not substance. You know, it's, uh, it's the spirit. So Peter steps forward to preach. Amazing. First, uh, Christian sermon, first preaching of the gospel. The first thing he does in verses 14 to 21, he sort of uses scripture to explain uh, the experience of Pentecost, the miracle of Pentecost, the coming of the Spirit. 
I, I just love how he draws a straight line back to the Old Testament. He didn't have to think twice about it. He knows that this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people from the very beginning. The coming of the Spirit was a promise for all people, not just Jews, all people, not just men, men and women. Your sons and your daughters will preach, all right? I mean, let that sink in. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, old men, young men together. The Spirit just brings people together. The Spirit brings people together, all nations, every tribe, every tongue. I mean, I just think it's just so beautiful, just so amazing. The Holy Spirit, you know, brings unity. Holy Spirit make you forget where you came from and remember where you're going. You know, the Spirit brings unity. I just think it's wonderful. And then 22 to 36, Peter begins to use Scripture to explain that Jesus is the Messiah. And I think it's sort of amazing the way he preaches this, using the Psalms, using the Old Testament, but comes right out and says, let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. I mean, Jesus came, but you killed him. I mean, Peter, just as bold as he can be, you killed him. He came, you killed him. And then verses 38, uh, 37 to 41, you've got the, the, the invitation, you know, the invitation to response. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Man, I love that. And that day, 3,000 in all uh, were, were baptized and added to the church. 3,000 were baptized. I know it sounds like an impossible kind of dream, but I, I have prayed before and I still just sort of, I, I wish that God would let me be a part of baptizing 3,000 people in a day, you know? If it could happen then, it could happen now, you know? 3,000 people in a day. I, I just love that so much. I love how the Spirit's outpouring, you know, is this amazing promise for all people. It's just, as I said, amazing er erasure of the lines of division, this reversal of, of, of Babel. I, I, I love that. Uh, but, you know, unity takes a miracle. You know, I mean, that's part of, you know, what it says in the beginning here. These people are all from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in all our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and Gentiles. I mean, man, uh, People standing next to each other out there on this day that never thought they'd be next to each other, you know, and all of a sudden they're united in the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've never been more divided in this nation as citizens, but also in the church, you know. Um, uh, unity takes a miracle. It, it, it's not that we just naturally all come together. We don't. Sin divides, but the Spirit unites. And uh, I love how the Holy Spirit brings the people together on this first day of preaching the gospel and this first amazing day of Christian baptism where 3,000 are saved in all. Gosh, I just love that so much. I love that so much. And that's where we come from, you all. That's the church right there. That's who we are. That's how we started. And that's what we still are. That's what we're still supposed to be about, you know, bringing people together. The Spirit brings people together. If the Spirit, when you preach, divides people, you know, I think you're preaching wrong or you got the wrong spirit, you know? If your church, you know, doesn't, you know, bring the nations in, if the gospel you preach isn't a gospel for everybody, then you're preaching some other gospel, 
you know? I mean, the very first day, it's like, it's like God just holds it back and waits for the largest, most diverse congregation ever to assemble. And then the gospel is preached, the Spirit comes down, and all these people are united in one body. That is the church. We'll talk more about the church tomorrow in verses 42 to 47. I know, I know. It's just after reading all these verses today, they're just a little bit tomorrow. But I want us to slow down and talk about what happens when those 3,000 come together and form the community of believers. Let's talk about what the church is tomorrow. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Man, I love you guys so much. I love this morning, man, the weather was warm. I had the most amazing run ever, 70, what, 75 degrees. It was perfect. Um, storms today may be those. So anyway, stay safe. Uh, pray for the safety and protection of our community. And uh, listen, it's Holy Week. So be walking through this week and knowing that uh, we uh, are going all the way to the cross with Jesus to celebrate his resurrection on Sunday. So uh, again, uh, I pray that you're in the word in special ways this week, that you're praying with special devotion because uh, Jesus is alive and what he has done for others, he will do for you. I, I love you so much. Listen, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing, 10 o'clock, 10 with Tim. I love you all. We'll, we'll see you.